In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are here with us this morning by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I want to ask that you would bring the scripture alive to us this morning. Lord, some of us have spent many Christmases in church. Lord, we've read these scriptures over and over. But Lord, this morning, I'm asking that you would just make them vibrant, that they would impact us, that they would bring the truth deep to our hearts where we need it. Lord Jesus, so many of us today came in here and we're weary and we're tired and the holiday season is exhausting and we've still got presents to wrap and things to do and planes to catch. But right now in this moment, Jesus, would you capture our hearts with this story, with this truth? In Jesus' name, amen. So my 10-year-old came to me recently and he said, um, I don't want any Legos for Christmas this year, mom. And I was like, okay. He says, I think I've outgrown them. I think I'm past that. And that was pretty surprising to me because Legos have been pretty big in our house. And so then we took him and his, his five-year-old brother to the Lego store. And it's exactly what you're thinking is what happened. I don't need any Legos. I don't need any Legos. Oh, well, this theme Lego might not be too babyish for me. Oh, I like this. And he actually had pen and paper out, started writing a list. 
And, you know, again, not surprised because Legos have been so big in our house. Now, you know, I'm kind of at Duplo level of Legos. If you guys aren't familiar with that, that's the chunky ones. The chunky big ones that you give to the, the nursery. That's like my standard. But my kids, my kids are into like those humongous Lego things that take like hours to build. And they dedicate themselves to it. And they isolate themselves in the bedroom. It's like, do you want food? No. Do you want a drink? No. They're just like right in the zone. And they're building this thing. Take hours upon hours. They're dedicated and committed. And they pour energy into it. And they've got these big Star Wars ships and all of that. You know, we've got thousands of Legos. But inevitably, there is something that happens about halfway in. They've dedicated this time. They've given it their all. They're super excited. They think they've got it. And then something happens, and they usually walk into the living room with what they've built, and they'll say, something isn't right. Something isn't right. And we take our time, we look at it, and we realize that at some point, a few steps back, they missed a page in the book, they used the wrong piece in the wrong place, and now they need that piece, but they don't have that piece, or something just looks crooked. And they're holding it, and they're like, something isn't right here. And with a little bit of discovery, we realize that it isn't right. There's something that's way off. And then they kind of cycle through these various responses. So the first response is usually directed at the Lego company. <laughs> and it's like, I can't believe these guys. Like, why wouldn't they make the instructions clearer? How are you supposed to understand that? Who knew that that page was supposed to be read? Or why didn't they bag these things differently? So it starts there, and then it usually progresses to, I'm so mad at myself. I can't believe I made the mistake. I wish I'd never started. I knew I couldn't do Legos. I should have never bought this. Why did you buy me this? I didn't want this. You know, it just kind of cycles through this. I will never do Legos ever again in my life. And then it usually cycles to, well, is it that big of a problem? I could just keep, I think I can keep building. I think that it's not that big of a deal. I'll just keep adding the piece. And fingers crossed, it's not going to look too bad. But every step on from that point is a reminder that something back here is wrong. Every step forward is a reminder that you missed it, or you missed a page, or you used the wrong piece. And eventually, it usually ends up with them coming to me, and I swiftly direct them back to my husband. But they come, and they say, I think I need help. I think I need to go back to where everything went wrong. And I think I need to sort it out. I think I need to make it right. And my husband and his patients will sit with them and just undo all the pieces. And it will literally sometimes will take hours undoing, figuring out what it is that's wrong, what's missing, and going back and doing some work. You know, you may not be into Legos, but I think a lot of us in this room this morning can probably relate to that feeling that our life is not quite what we wanted it to be. That at some point back there, something happened, something changed, something just went amiss. And now here we are at the end of 2019 in the middle of holly jolly Christmas season. And maybe we're looking at our lives and saying, you know what, this is not quite what I intended for this period of my life, for this season, when I hit this age, my marriage is, is not what I wanted it to be. I, I thought it was going to be a happy ever after, and I thought it was going to be great, and now it just feels stale, and it's crumbling, and actually it's falling apart. 
and my relationships, I thought I would be here and have this and, and it would all be a certain way and it somehow it just doesn't feel right. Something went amiss or I thought I was going to be free from this addiction. I thought I was going to be free from this depression. I thought I was going to overcome this obstacle and here I am and I'm still struggling with it and it's like my kids looking at that Legos and it's like something's gone wrong here but I can't fix it. You know, the holiday season, I think, kind of amplifies some of those feelings. It's like we think we're doing okay living here in San Francisco, and then we get on a plane and we head back home, and we're like, oh, I'm still the same person with my, my, my parents. I still have my same issues coming up, and this is so frustrating, and why, why am I still struggling with this? Everyone else seems like they're having this wonderful Christmas. Every photo that they're posting everything they're doing, but I feel deep down like something's not quite right, and I don't know what to do. And we cycle through these emotions and these feelings at this time of year, don't we? We try and push through and we ignore it, and we say, I'm gonna go and do all the holiday activities and I'm gonna bake those cookies, I'm gonna do that thing, I'm gonna get my kids dressed and on that stage singing that song, and this is gonna be everything that I want it to be, but Deep down, we know there are still some things that are not quite right. We can't fix it, and we don't know what to do. One of the things I love about Advent is that it's a time of year that gives us permission to admit that our lives are not perfect. It gives us permission to say some things just aren't right. Some things aren't right in the world, and some things aren't right in our lives. You know, Advent tends to be this time when we focus on waiting for Jesus to come and make things right. It gives us space to say, yeah, this is not how I dreamed. This is not what I intended. It's also a time when we reflect back and we think back to when Jesus first came. What was that like? Why did he come? Who was waiting for him? If you read through scripture, you know that Israel was waiting for the Messiah, the chosen one, the one that God was going to send to make everything right. Because they knew what we know is that something wasn't right. You see, if you follow back through the story in the Bible, you see that God intended us to be in relationship with him and to be connected to him, and yet something went wrong. Like with those Legos, it's like we're building, and then something went wrong, and from that point on, everything was just off. We were separated from God. Sin came into the world, and it screwed everything up. And so Israel was waiting because God had promised, I'm going to send someone that's going to reconnect you back to me. And he's going to do something in your heart. And he's going to change you. And they were waiting. And they had this idea of what he would look like, what he would be. And he would be this triumphant king that would roll in, conquering hero, super powerful, that would squash the Romans and free Israel. And that's what they were waiting for. But if you just read the story that we just read in Luke 2, that's not how Jesus came. You see, Jesus rarely comes into our life the way we anticipate. Instead, God decided that he would send a baby, a vulnerable, fragile, tiny little baby. I was recently holding my friend's baby. She's about five months old. And my kids are older now, and so I'm kind of out of the baby stage. But every now and again, you get a little fixed, right? And um, I, was, I was holding her, 
and she fell asleep in my arms and I forgot that when kids are that tiny and little, when somebody coughs really loud, they kind of startle. And I was holding her in my arms and somebody in the room coughed and her eyes shot open. She was sleeping, but her eyes shot open and she grabbed onto my sweater and she looked at me as if to say, is everything okay? Am I okay? Am I safe? And I was reflecting on the vulnerability of that moment and imagining that Jesus came as a baby just like that. That there would have been moments when Mary was holding him and nursing him and a loud noise and Jesus would have opened his eyes and clung on to his mom because he was dependent upon her. And he came in a body that needed time to grow and was vulnerable to experiencing pain and falling and cutting and being hurt. You see, some of us have grown up going to church at Christmas and we might feel kind of guilty when we leave and we think, well, you know, I should probably do that more often. Or we grew up and we heard stories, maybe not overtly, but kind of subtly that God was displeased with us that God's angry with us, that God really enjoys punishing us until we get our lives perfect. But that does not correlate with the Christmas story because that kind of God doesn't send himself as an infant, as a baby, only a God that is kind and loving and desperate for relationship, longing to move towards us, to reconnect with us. That's the kind of God that would come naked, not in triumphant robes, protected and powerful, but naked and dependent on humans to hold him and care for him. See, sometimes we have a plan of what we want God to do in our lives, how we want him to show up. And then when he comes a different way, we're surprised and we're thrown and we're not pleased because we think, God, you should come this way. I want you to show up in my life this way. In fact, you can only show up in my life that way. I need you like this on my time frame, doing this thing, and then everything will be great. Then my little Lego life will be as it should be. And God just won't acquiesce to our plans. He didn't send Israel what they wanted. He sent them what they needed. What if that thing in your life that God is doing right now, it might seem so small and almost inadequate. It might seem like it's not up to the job. An infant holding the whole of the God's rescue mission for humanity? Are you kidding me? Nobody saw that coming. Nobody thought this is good enough. This is exactly what we need, a baby to save all of humanity. A tiny little naked thing that cries and needs milk and is gonna take some time to grow up. That's not what we need. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for God's plan to grow. God, I need it right now and I need it this way. But you see, God's not gonna give us what we want. He's gonna give us what we need. See, sometimes God's unexpected looks so small and not up to the task. But what if it's actually the answer to our deepest need? In the next scene, we have these angels that appear. First one angel, 
to the shepherds on the hill saying, don't be afraid. And then a whole company of angels. I love this scene because it feels like to me, like heaven couldn't wait any longer. It was like, we are so excited about what is happening, that the Messiah is being born. We just can't hold on. We're just going to flood the earth right now with celebration and jubilation. Like, we got to send everyone and just be like, look what's happening. And here's a bunch of shepherds on a hill doing their thing, watching their sheep, going about their business, an ordinary night, doing nothing special. And angels show up, and it's as if they're like, I know you're over here doing your thing, doing your ordinary, mundane, but God's doing something over here, and we're here to celebrate it. I know over here on the hill watching the sheep, you are completely unaware that over here in Bethlehem, God just dropped his rescue mission for humanity. You see, it's possible for us to just be doing our thing. And then God wants to break in and say, no, you can't see it, but I'm doing it. I know where you are seems so ordinary and plain and like mundane and nothing's happening, but I am at work over here. And that's exactly what was happening with the shepherds. They were just shepherds on a hill. Man, half of Israel was probably asleep when the Messiah came. Imagine that. God could have sent Jesus at any moment, at any time. And yet, half of Israel was probably sleeping when the answer to all of their waiting just kind of slid right into the world. Don't underestimate what God can do with your ordinary. Because what seems ordinary can often be the birthplace for a miracle. Don't underestimate what God can do with just the ordinary moments of your life, the ordinary seasons, the quiet seasons of your life. Look, some of you are ending 2019 and you're looking back and you're thinking, man, this year has not been as thrilling as I thought it was going to be. In fact, it's been the exact opposite. It's been disappointing and it's been difficult or it's been quiet. I thought my business was going to blow up. I thought my marriage was going to be revived. I thought I was going to have this breakthrough moment on Instagram, whatever it looks like for you. We can look at the quiet and the ordinary and we can equate that to nothing happening. God isn't answering my prayers. I've not made any progress, but what if it's the exact opposite? What if God loves to take the ordinary, quiet, mundane seasons of our life and he does something behind the scenes and then suddenly he's going to break into our life and say, oh, I know you were just doing your thing. But right over here, I've been doing my thing. And I've been doing something divine and miraculous and beautiful. Don't underestimate what God can do with those seasons of your life. There's a lot of conversation around why shepherds were at the birth of Jesus. On one hand, you'll hear people talk about, well, shepherds were this kind of marginalized community and they were really poor and God wants us to know that he's here for everyone. And that could be true, though people kind of disagree about how people perceived shepherds at that time. But that could be true and that is absolutely true about God. And some people say, well, these were a particular kind of shepherd because they were in these fields that these shepherds were actually shepherding the sheep that were going to be for sacrifice. 
that may have been true too. There's a lot of discussion among people that study this. But there's a couple of things that we absolutely know to be true. Number one is that there is a messianic prophecy in Micah 5. So Micah is this guy in the Old Testament hundreds of years before this moment, and he is prophesying and he is saying, this is who the Messiah is going to be. This is what he's going to be like. Let's just look at what he says here. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Micah is prophesying about the coming Messiah, and what does he say about him? He says Bethlehem is going to be the place, and that he will be a shepherd. Okay, hold that thought in your mind for just a second. If we jump forward 30 years plus some change after Jesus is born, Jesus himself says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we have this past prophetic word from hundreds of years ago saying he's going to be a shepherd and he's going to shepherd his flock. And then we have Jesus later on saying, I'm the good shepherd and I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. Should we be surprised that it's shepherds that show up at his birthplace? Because what I think God is saying is he's surrounding Jesus even from the moment of his birth with people that embody his mission. You see, shepherds, they were with the flock. I mean, their job was to be with their sheep. And their job was to put themselves between the wolves and the danger and the enemy and the sheep and say, I will lay down my life for you. So now, when we look at these shepherds arriving with their little flock in tow and their little staffs like we have in our nativity scenes, it's not just this cute like, oh, little, little sheep and little shepherds. It's actually this dynamic moment where God is declaring, this is why you came. Jesus, this is why you came. I prophesied it before. You're going to say it in 30 years. It is not a cute baby that just came to be born so we could all just go, oh, it's so cute and adorable. This baby came to die. This baby came for you and me to lay down his life in the same way that a shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. And I think that is incredible. That even in the moment of his birth, God's intention was to keep declaring, I'm here for you. I'm here for you to lay down my life to save yours. See, Jesus came because something wasn't right. We were separated from God. And there was nothing that we could do to fix that. Nothing that we could do in our own strength, like the Legos, all we could do is look and say, I can't do this. I can't fix this. I can't make this right. And Jesus saw that and was like, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to cross over and make things right. The reality is that we cycle through so many emotions when we realize that we can't make things like, right. Just like my kids, it's like anger. 
I can't make this right and I'm angry at the person that put me in this situation. I am angry at the person in my life that won't step up. I am angry that this happened. I'm just angry, there's so much anger. And then we move to I'm angry with myself. Why can't I fix this? Why can't I sort this out? Why did I make that decision? There's so much regret. This time of year stirs up so much regret in us. Things that we wish were different. Things that we wish we could change. And then we just move into the, well, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to keep on going. It doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to keep building my life. But every step forward is a reminder that something is wrong. This is the something is wrong that Jesus came to make right. That we are stuck and we can't fix it. You might be here today because this is your Christmas tradition. You come once a year and you you hear the Christmas story. You might even feel obliged to be here today. Maybe you're here with family or with friends. Maybe it makes you feel a little better to come once a year to church and be like, okay, this is my thing. I've reconnected. Or you might be curious about who Jesus is. You might have even had fleeting thoughts like, you know, I'm interested in Jesus because I know I can't make my life right and I know I've made mistakes and I don't know how to reconnect with God, but I'm not quite sure what that means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to have a relationship with him? You might be here this morning because your life is not going the way you intended and it is literally spiraling out of control. You might be feeling like, I have no idea what to do, and it's not, I can't just keep going. I can't just keep building. Like, things have got so bad, I'm really desperate this morning. To you, I want to say, the Christmas story reminds us that the unexpected is just around the corner. That the things that we think will never happen, the things that we've been waiting on, the things that we desperately need, that any moment, those things can happen. There are some of you here this morning that I feel like you need to hear this is not the end of your story. That whatever you came in here this morning with and you said things like, this is my lot in life. This is just what I've been given. This is unchangeable. Nothing could make a difference. Let me tell you, Jesus came into the world to make a difference in your life. This is not the end of your story. Some of you are experiencing deep grief and disappointment, and you feel like, I don't know if I can face this Christmas. I want to encourage you that the shepherd never leaves his flock, that he's always with his people, that you are not alone. His presence is with you. You might have sat in this church for weeks or months thinking, well, I'm kind of interested in this Jesus thing. I'm kind of curious but I really like just hanging out with people. This is fun. For you, I want to challenge you that this morning might be a moment for you to make a decision. To say, you know what, I've been around here for a while and I've heard about this Jesus guy and that he loves me and that he forgives me. Look, some of you here this morning need to hear the words, I forgive you from Jesus. There is weight that you've come in here with, that you feel heavy laden, that you feel guilt, and you feel shame, and you feel like, I will never know what it feels like to not feel this again. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes into your life, and you hear him say, I forgive you, that stuff just falls away. And we enter into this grace, 
and the sense of being known. There was a word given in pre-service prayer this morning about a spotlight being on someone. And I feel like God wants us to know that he sees us and he knows us. Look, you might feel incredibly unseen this morning. You might have just come into church and just, I'm just going to do the church thing. I'm going to kind of sneak out. You might feel like nobody sees your life. Nobody sees what you're struggling with. Let me tell you that Jesus sees you this morning. Jesus sees you. To those of you in this room who identify as being Jesus followers, you might be sitting here frustrated that God has not shown up in the ways that you wanted him to. Maybe you feel like Israel. You're like, God, I need you to do this one thing. Just this one thing, God. Forget all the other stuff. Just do this one, one thing. So all I'm asking is my Christmas wish, Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas. This is the one thing. Is that too hot? Like we're frustrated. I just need you to touch this one thing here because we think if this one thing was solved, then that's exactly what we need. But friends, so many of us are like sheep. We have no idea what we actually need. We have no idea what we'll actually need. If I just get this job, if I just had this relationship, if my marriage just, if there was just a spark, if my career just blew up, if, if 2020 were my year, God, then I'd give you everything. <laughs> I feel like people are laughing because we all feel like that sometimes. <laughs> oh, God, if this is my year, if you just do this one thing, then I'll just give you my whole life from this point on. And then another year goes by. Well, if you just do this one more thing, there's this one thing here. There's always one thing. I think it was hard for Israel to receive Jesus as a vulnerable baby. Let me ask you this question this morning. Will you receive Jesus however he comes to you? Will you receive him however he wants to show up? Whatever he wants to do? Like you're asking about this one thing here, but what if Jesus shows up here? Can you, can you open the door to that kind of Jesus? Can you be like the shepherds and say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find this baby. I'm going to go see what God's doing. Is that our response? Or when Jesus shows up and he doesn't check all the boxes, like, mm, come back when you can be like this, Jesus. You see, it sounds kind of harsh, but I think it's how a lot of us live our lives. We pray, we ask God to show up a certain way. But can we receive Jesus exactly as he comes? The beautiful thing is that Jesus receives us exactly how we come to him. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to look great. We don't have to check all the boxes. He just says, yeah, I want you just as you are. Just come. I love you and I forgive you and I welcome you. And to those of you in the room who feel ordinary and overlooked and insignificant, I want to just remind you that the Christmas story that day looked ordinary and insignificant. Those shepherds on the hills were not waiting in prayer on their knees, <laughs> anticipating heaven to break open and the glory of God to fall on them. It was a night and they were probably sitting there by a campfire chatting about human stuff. And in that moment, heaven broke in. Ordinary, 
That is the beginning of where God does miracles. You might feel ordinary. You might feel unseen. You might feel like everybody's life around you is so wonderful and full of potential and you've lost yours because you're too old or you're too this or you're too that and you just don't have any great gifts and what could God possibly do with me? But I feel like those kind of people are set up for God to do incredible things because he's looking for those moments. He's looking for those people to take a hold of and do something beautiful. What seems so ordinary in your life? What seems so mundane? What area have you waited for him for so long that you want to give up? What about if the unexpected is just around the corner? As I was praying about preparing for today, um, I just had this sense that there are a lot of you in this room that maybe don't know Jesus, that you've been around the church and you've heard about it and your curiosity is peaked, but you're like, I don't know what to do with that. So we're going to kind of move into a response time this morning that's a little bit different to what we normally do here at Reality San Francisco. And I want to set it up first. I want to explain it to you and then we'll go into it. I'm going to close our time in prayer this morning. There'll be two parts to it. The first part is for those of you in this room that have been on the fence about following Jesus. I'm going to say some of you here for your whole life. For your whole life, it has been on your radar, but it has not been something that you fully stepped into, but you have been curious and maybe this morning you felt something in your heart. Maybe you felt your heart pounding. Maybe you feel tears in your eyes. Maybe you're just like, I don't know what's going on. I just came to watch the kids sing. But you see, you might think you came to watch the kids sing, but the Holy Spirit brought you here for something very different because he's had his hand on your life. And maybe today is the day that you realize, you know what, God, I've been building this thing and it is not what I want it to be. And I have no idea how to go back. And the beautiful thing is in that moment, it's like my son coming to my husband and he's like, all right, let's do this together. You are not alone. Jesus is here and you can come to him and you can give him all of the stuff that feels like a mess or feels discouraging or just feels not what you want it to be and he'll take a hold of that and he will change your life. So what we're gonna do in just a moment is I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. We're gonna do it as a family. So if you were here, Reality San Francisco, and this is your home, we are gonna all say this together because there are people in this room that are gonna say this prayer for the first time. And what we wanna to communicate to them is we are family. And when you say yes to Jesus, you've got all of us in this room standing with you, welcoming you, saying, yeah, we're with you in this. And then the second part of the prayer, I'm gonna pray a Christmas blessing because there are some of you here today and you're frustrated and you're disappointed and you don't know what to do with all of these things. And what we're going to do is we're going to open our hands and we're going to say, Jesus, I want you to come however you want to come. And that is a scary prayer to pray because it's a surrender of what we want God to do in our lives. And for some of this, this is going to be a defining moment because we've been clinging on to some stuff in 20, 2019 but I think there's an invitation for us to go into 2020 with our hands open like this and saying, Jesus, you came as a baby and no one saw that coming. 
and you lit up the sky with angels for a bunch of shepherds and they certainly didn't see that coming. And that Virgin Mary most definitely did not see it coming. (laughs) And God, I just want to open my hands to you and surrender what I want, how I want it to be, and I just want to accept you and surrender to you to come just as you want to come. Does that sound okay? You guys with me? Okay. So we're going to remain seated. I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes, and we're going to move into a time of prayer. And this is going to be one of those repeat after me kind of things. And again, Church, I want us all to do this together. And if you are here for the first time, you are praying this prayer. Be brave. Be courageous. I sense even right now, as we're moving into this time, there are some of you, a heart is pounding, and you have no idea why. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he's saying, come on, I've been chasing you your whole life. I love you, and I'm for you, and Jesus came for you. Okay, church, repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I can't fix my life. There is so much that is broken, and I'm so distant from you. And I need a savior. Forgive me. I put my hope in Jesus. I trust you. I want to give you my life. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if wherever you're seated, if you want to receive a Christmas blessing, just go ahead and just open your palms in front of you. You can just be really, really discreet about it, or you can be really big about it. It doesn't matter. I just want to pray a blessing over you for the Christmas season. Jesus, I thank you that you came not as we wanted you, but as we needed you. Every one of us in this room, Lord, needs you. And sometimes we're so disconnected, even from our own needs. And we we need you to come tell us what we need. And I pray, Lord, over every single one of us in this room, this Christmas season, that it would be a different kind of season. There are some of us here, and it's just tradition. It's just for the kids, and it's just family, and it's just, it's just whatever. But Lord, I feel like this year you're doing something different. You're doing something unexpected because you are the unexpected king. You come in ways we could never predict, and you change our lives in ways that we could never imagine. And so, Lord, I bless every single one of us in this room with the ability to just receive you as you might want to come. Lord, you see the open hands and you see the open hearts. We want to surrender to you as we close out this year. All the things we think it should have been, all the ways we think you should have shown up, all the things we prayed for and fasted for and longed for and haven't seen and we're just angsty about, Lord, we just open up our hands and our hearts to you this morning and we say, Jesus, you're so good 
and you see us and you love us and you haven't forgotten about us. And you haven't forgotten about the prayers and the dreams and the hopes. But Lord, you'll come just how we need you to come. So I just release that blessing in Jesus' name. This teaching was recorded live at Reality San Francisco. And as a part of our weekly gatherings, we move from teaching to responding to the Holy Spirit through prayer and a time of ministry. It's hard to capture that on a podcast, but we encourage you to pause and consider how the Holy Spirit might be inviting you to respond to what you've just heard. For more resources and details of how to join us on Sundays, please visit realitysf.com. May the peace of Christ be with you.